It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's part two of the things to be thankful for as a New York Jets fan. And of course, Joe Caparoso is with me. If you missed part one, it's over on the Turn on the Jets feed. We thought it would be fun to split this up as a two-parter in honor of Thanksgiving. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go ahead and do that. We thought we'd give you plenty to listen to if you want to get away from your family for a few minutes or if you've got some traveling to do. So don't forget. You've got part one of this that's available on the Turn on the Jets feed, plus plenty of other material that's been dropped on the Play Like a Jet feed this week, including Midweek with Manish. The last for you, if you're going for a walk, to walk off some of that food, we've given you plenty of material to listen to. And Joe, the Jets have given us plenty of material to be excited about over the last couple of weeks. And there's a lot to be thankful for as Jets fans. We touched on this in part one, which is available on the, on the Jets feed. We talked about how we're thankful for Sam Darnold. We talked about how we're thankful for Joe Douglas and the fact that he looks like he's finally going to bring competency to the general manager position. We talked about the fact that we're happy that it looks like, for once, the Jets may have some stability at the cornerback position with Blessing Austin emerging along with Arthur Millette and Brian Poole, who's played well all year. I'm going to add in another thing now, Joe, to start part two of this. I'm very thankful for Greg Williams being the captain of this Jets defense. Now, I know he was a divisive hire because of his history. Some people said that he's overrated. Some people said that he's just a guy that's been around a long time and he's garnered a reputation that maybe he didn't deserve and obviously the whole Bounty Gate thing. But he has done a fantastic job with this Jets defense, Joe. There's no other way to say it. He's had so many injuries, and he just finds ways to get productivity out of players when nobody would think it's possible. We talked about the cornerback, but how about the fact that this defensive line has become one of the elite units in the NFL? They are the best run-stopping unit in the entire league. He lost C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson. They're still able to stop the run at an elite level. Greg Williams has found a way to use Jamal Adams and deploy him as a weapon in a way that I don't think any of us ever imagined. I mean, we all knew Jamal was an excellent player, but he's at the point now where he's looking like Troy Palomalu on a weekly basis. On top of that, they did trade away Leonard Williams, and Joe, you and I have hard on how good or bad Leonard Williams is, but I think we can both agree he's at the very least a good player, and this defense hasn't skipped a beat after trading him. So I think between that, getting guys like Austin Millette, and even guys on the defensive line like Phillips and Nathan Shepard, who we thought was going to be a total waste, Foley Fosse, he's getting a ton of production from them. It's hard not to love what Greg Williams has brought to this defense. And so while his hiring might have been a little divisive, Joe, I think we should all unite in saying that I hope that this guy sticks around for a long time because he has done a fantastic job. He's got the Jets defense 
producing at levels that we never would have expected based on the injuries that they sustained. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And I think I was very lukewarm on the Greg Williams hire. I think there was a little, I thought there was a little more sizzle and steak with some of his recent, uh, you know, production. I think people were, thought people were more just excited about his personality uh, and some of his fiery rhetoric than his actual results. Because I think he was a little inconsistent as a D coordinator in recent years. But look, the bottom line is he's been terrific this year. Uh, the Jets have dealt with a lot of different injuries. And unlike on the offensive side of the football, it has not become uh, an excuse for them not to go out and compete every single week. You know, the Jets, despite their recent surge in performance, are ranked 31st overall in offense. And I believe they're ranked like 8th or ninth overall in defense. And from a DVOA perspective, the Jets have basically been a top 10 defense this year while being a bottom two offense. And considering the number of people that they've lost, the number of people that they've rotated through, uh, that's an incredible job by Greg Williams. And I would not be surprised if he did get a couple potential looks as a head coach candidate, maybe in Washington. Maybe I'm not sure he, that's the best thing for him. But he's done a good enough job this year where he will get some interest. And if not, he's absolutely secured himself to come back next year as the team's defensive coordinator. The, re, the results are there. Uh, and the Jets are the best run defense in the NFL, which has seemed to kind of be the case forever here. Uh, but they've also been really good against the pass recently. They're getting after the quarterback. They're getting the job done uh, with guys that no one expected to really be contributing at cornerback. And same with inside linebackers. So uh, it's been a very pleasant surprise. And again, looking at the games that are upcoming, no reason to expect that they won't be able to keep rolling against Cincinnati. I think Miami presents an interesting opportunity for a little redemption, considering that Miami, I think, you know, I think Fitzpatrick threw three or four touchdowns in that last game, which seems insane now. Uh, and then excited and interested to see how they go about trying to stop the Baltimore Ravens, who might be the best offense in the NFL right now, coming off what they just did to the Rams on Monday Night Football. And also curious how they go about uh, competing against Buffalo, who they did a great job against in the first half and then basically melted down in the second half once C.J. Mosley got hurt. Uh, so, again, another good chance for redemption there. And Greg's been great this year. Uh, there, there's no debate about it. There's, you know, he is overachieved with the people that he's playing with. And it will be interesting to see how this defense continues to evolve next year when they get C.J. Mosley back potentially Avery Williamson back if he's back for another year and make some other additions uh, to round out their pass rush. Uh, so fully aligned with you there. And along those lines, Joe, another thing that I'm thankful for is that Jets defensive line because we've talked about this in the past, but Joe Douglas is somebody that believes heavily that you build in the trenches, the defensive line, the offensive line. He's going to have to fix that offensive line in the offseason. We all know that. But that defensive line looks really, really good. He's gotten Phillips, Kyle Phillips, who is an undrafted free agent who has contributed. Foley Fadakasi is looking like Snack Harrison with the way he's overpowering players on the offensive line of the opposing teams. Nathan Shepard out of nowhere has basically been like a, an RKO from Randy Orton, just came out of the sky and has played really, really well the last couple of weeks. Steve McClendon is still doing what Steve McClendon does. He's an excellent run stuffer and seems to be the leader on the unit. We've also got 
Henry Anderson, who has contributed. I know he had that injury, and there have been some boneheaded penalties that he's gotten, but he's been a very productive player. And then Quinton Williams. Listen, a lot of people have talked about how disappointing Quinton Williams is. The reality is, if you go back and you look at the tape, and I've talked to Jamal Westerman about this, and Matt Stoblikoski at NJ.com had a really good piece on this, talking to Chuck Smith, who is somebody who used to work with Jordan Jenkins and helped him improve his pass rushing. A lot of what you're seeing with Quinton Williams is stunting and two-gapping. That's the majority of what Greg Williams is doing with him. And as I've been telling people, it's not going to produce stats because his job is essentially just to eat blocks. That's what Greg Williams is having him do. He's having him eat up two and three guys. If you go back and watch the tape, that's at least 80% of the snaps is what Greg Williams is having him do. But he's doing a really good job of it. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with him when Greg Williams starts unleashing him a little more. If you saw the opening play against the Raiders, he just knocked over the guard in a one-on-one situation. He did something similar to center later on in the game. He was overpowering guys earlier in the season, too, at different points when he was asked to. So I think there's still a lot of exciting potential. I know myself, I'm very frustrated with the way he's been used, and a lot of people have been as well. But I think that once you see Mosley and potentially Williamson, if they decide to keep him back and Williams doesn't feel like he needs to use Quentin Williams in that way so as to cover up for the fact that he's so thin at linebacker, there's a lot of potential there for him to become that player that we all expected coming out of the 2019 draft. So that defensive line, Joe, to me, is something to be very thankful for because they not only have good players, but they have a lot of good players. They can rotate them in and out. And I think that's a big part of why they've been so effective is because when you have guys that big, they're going to wear out as the game goes on. But as the offense has played better and they've had more and more players emerge on that unit, the guys aren't getting as tired, they're fresher, and they're able to keep it up throughout the course of the game. So that's certainly, to me, one of the things that, as a Jet fan, you should be thankful for because I think that they are the best unit on this team by a sizable margin. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good, deep, and versatile group. Uh, if there's one thing the Jets have consistently been able to do this past 9, 10 years is have, is have that in the defensive line, and it's came from – some places I didn't think anyone expected it to this year. Uh, you know, Nathan Shepard, Foley, Fayoukasi, both becoming uh, regular contributors. Kyle Phillips kind of coming out of nowhere. Uh, getting Henry Anderson back has been nice. You know, I think with Quentin Williams, uh, it's been interesting to watch the kind of discourse around it. It's very early in his career. There's a lot of other stuff going on around with this team right now. Um Obviously, this it's ironically we're, we're this is somewhat similar to the Leonard Williams discussion for us, but it's different because he's younger. And while I wasn't quite as excited about the pick as some other people were, I do think it's very premature and considering the Jets' situation to make any kind of judgment about what he's going to be long term. That being said, I understand fans' frustration. Fans want immediate impact and they want big plays. When you're the third pick in the draft, certain expectations are there, and Nick Bosa might be the defensive player of the year this year with how good he's playing and what that San Francisco front does. But I think Quentin will be fine here long-term. Do I know if he's going to end up being one of the best players in the league? No, but I think at a minimum, I think he will ultimately, as he gets stronger and older and he is very young, uh, will be a key contributor up front for this team. And I think with Leonard Williams not here anymore, he will have more space uh, to grow into that role. And even if he isn't, immediately great, you know, next year, there's enough other talent around him where the Jets are going to be just fine uh, on defensive line. And that's not something they have to worry about addressing next next year. 
kind of similar to how they're not going to have to worry about addressing certain other positions like quarterback, like tight end now with Griffin under contract, Herndon coming back, and Wesco on the roster for depth overall. Um, other things that I am thankful for going beyond some of the different things that we talked about, not going to be a popular answer based on what I guess would be considered a fairly disappointing season for him. Still thankful that the Jets have Le'Veon Bell on this roster. Uh, he has not been dynamic running the football. I think that's for a couple different reasons. Uh, I think the Jets are not great run blocking overall, and they've been cycling through a lot of different people. I also think Bell's running style uh, is having a tough time adjusting to a pretty bad to really bad offensive line. However, he has been very good and being finally more utilized in the passing game uh, in recent weeks. And you could see how dynamic he can be in that role. You saw him down the seam out of the slot for a 20-plus yard gain against Washington. You saw him on a wheel route from the slot on the first play of the game against Oakland where he made a ridiculous one-handed catch. Uh, you've seen him as a reliable checkdown guy for Darnold. And he makes one or two plays of these games, plays each game that kind of go under the radar. I shared one after the Washington game where, you know, he catches a pass that should be a two-yard gain, makes one guy miss, and gets 12 yards and gets a first down. And that difference between having Darnold get a first down and being stuck with second and eight or second and nine makes his life that much easier. And look, grand scheme of things, do you like paying a running back that much money? No. Do I think he's still very helpful for Darnold? And with the Jets' cap situation last year, it was a worthwhile investment. Yes. Candidly, I... I feel worse, and I know most people disagree with this, I feel worse about the C.J. Mosley contract than I do about the Bell contract, particularly with how they're both structured. And I do think as the Jets' O-line gets better, Bell will come around to have more of an impact in the running game. But I think as a receiver, I don't know what his exact number is right now, but he's going to catch 60, 65, if not more passes this year. And I think next year that number can be even higher with him having more of an impact down the field as a receiver. Uh and I think he's just a valuable weapon that will continue to aid Sam Darnold's development. And he's been a great guy from everything I've heard and seen in the locker room and around the organization this year. And was one of the few who's really been stable from start to finish so far this year, uh, with the team getting as low as 1-7 and seven and now bouncing back up. So I think it's been you know, a valuable addition for this team. And he does a lot of things that, despite disappointing rushing totals and yards per carry, uh, have helped Donald a lot in the past game overall. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com.
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. So there's no question that Le'Veon Bell hasn't been the instant impact in the running game that we would have hoped. I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. As you said, he's a guy that is a patient runner, and so he waits for holes to develop, and the offensive line hasn't been able to hold holes in the running game. And so if you're going to see the Jets and the Bengals in Cincinnati this weekend, and you go to the Vivid Seats mobile app and download it and get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase, and you go to see the Jets play with Le'Veon Bell running back, you may not see the Le'Veon Bell that you saw in Pittsburgh in terms of the yardage totals and being able to get the number of touchdowns that he got rushing the ball. By the way, if you do use that promo code, you can use it for something else. If you don't want to go to see the Jets and the Bengals this weekend, you can go see a concert. You can go to the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. You can go to a wrestling show. There's a whole bunch of other sporting events you can go to, hockey, basketball, whatever your heart desires. Just use the promo code OVERTIME. You'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. But, Joe, I think that, as you said, while we may not see that kind of impact in the running game, at least this year, I think next year after Joe Douglas rebuilt the offensive line, it'll be a different conversation. You're looking at somebody that has started to really make a dent in the passing game. And I think that that's probably part of what Sam Darnold talked to Adam Gase about is wanting to use Le'Veon Bell and incorporating him more into the passing game. And so I agree with you. I think that we should be grateful for Le'Veon Bell because, A, he's been a really, really good leader. And by all accounts, he's been a model teammate and everything. And this is this kind of situation where if he wasn't a good teammate, it easily could have imploded. If he was the guy that some of the people in Pittsburgh were trying to tell us he was, then this easily could have imploded. He could be complaining. He could be going and making stupid social media videos talking about how he wished he never signed with the Jets and saying how Adam Gase needs to get him the ball more and complaining about the coach and the quarterback. But he didn't do any of that. He held his head up and he said nothing but the right things. I know that the Jets may look to trade him in the offseason because of his cap figure, but I think that once they improve the offensive line, especially as Darnold gets more comfortable with him. He can be a devastating weapon next season, both as a runner 
and as a receiver for Sam Donald. So I'm with you. I think that we should all be very, very grateful for Le'Veon Bell. And I think that next year is the year that we're going to see the guy in the running game that we all thought we were going to see this year. I'm very grateful for another running back on this team too, though, and that's Bilal Powell. Now, it's not that I'm grateful because Bilal Powell is still some sort of great player. Not that he ever was a great player, but he's been a really useful player for this Jets team since he was drafted in 2011. And that's really what I'm grateful for, the fact that he's one of the rare players from a really bad era that has managed to be a productive player over the course of just about a decade. That's not something that we've seen from a lot of guys that were drafted during the Rex Tannenbaum, Rex Idzik, Bowles McCagnon era. Most of the players, they washed out. They didn't even get second contracts. But Bilal Powell has continued to be that really good change in pace. And over the last couple of weeks, Joe, we've seen that Bilal Powell again because he'll have a handful of carries and make productive use of it. He'll get some first downs. He'll come in in situations and pay dividends. He's been a model teammate. He's not anybody that you've ever heard anything negative about from anybody. So I'm grateful that he's still here. Even though he's not a major impact player, he's still a guy that I'm happy to have here. And he represents to me, it's kind of like as a Yankee fan in the 80s when the Yankees were bad, Don Mattingly was that one guy that you could sort of hang your hat on as, well, at least they got that one right. Bilal Powell is the guy that I look back at some of those painful years with Rex and Tannenbaum and with Idzik and Rex, and I say, all right, well, at least Bilal Powell turned into somebody that became a keeper, and he's somebody that is the last surviving member of that. In fact, the funny thing is there are only three players on this roster from the pre-McCagnon era now. Bilal Powell is one of them. The other two are Quincy Newman and Brian Winters. Possible all three of them could be gone at the end of the season, and I would have told you, Joe, before Powell's emergence over the last couple of weeks, that the one that was most likely to be gone would be Bilal Powell. But now I think he may actually be the least likely to be gone. Listen, you don't got to convince me to be thankful for Bilal Powell. Long been uh, a personal favorite just because he's been around forever, been pretty consistent for them forever. Kind of like I'm a fan of uh, a fan of Calvin Pace for his long served tenure of setting the edge for the Jets. And just a guy who well, at this stage in his career is nothing but a role player, but did show against Washington. He, you know, he still has some juice. Uh, and a guy who was just been consistent, and if he could, he's had issues staying healthy. But when he's been given his opportunities, he's taken advantage of it. And he's had a much you know longer career than I think any of us would have thought or imagined. Actually, he was on the team back in 2011. I think his first carry, he fumbled into the end zone, and some Jets lineman, I can't remember who, recovered it. They, that was the only touchdown the Jets scored that night. It was the night they lost to Tebow on I think Thursday Night Football, and that feels like. A thousand years ago, and here he is still on the Jets roster. So he's been with them through all of these different regimes and uh, been just a solid guy on and off the field. And, you know, I'm glad he's gotten this last season here with this team. I don't know if he'll be back next year, uh, but he's still shown himself to be an effective player when used. And uh, it's been good to see him have this much of a run and one of the, you know, kind of rare late round finds for the Jets who have been able to you know, stick around this long and, uh, you know, make this type of an impact in a positive way that, that consistently. I would say before we wrap, Scott, what are your thoughts about these final five games? Before we, before we go, we got to let the people know, what, what is your prediction for these final five? Uh, where does this Jets record end up? 
So I think that they are likely to win the games against the bad teams. I think they're going to win the rematch against the Dolphins. I think that they're going to beat the Bengals. I think that they're going to lose to the Buffalo Bills on the road. I think that's a tough matchup. I think they're going to lose to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Lamar Jackson looked practically unbeatable, although we say that, Joe, and let's be honest about it, Bill Belichick will find a way to beat him because that's what Bill Belichick always does. Belichick and Brady, no matter how much Brady's struggling right now, especially if the game ends up in Foxborough, I think they're going to find a way. But I think the Jets are, are going to lose those two games. But they'll win the easier games, the easy matchups, and they'll probably end up winning three of their last five. So I'm going to say that they wind up going seven and nine, which ironically is right around where we thought they would be. We just didn't think they would get there this way. I think most of us said seven and nine to nine and seven range was probably what we were looking at. A lot of us thought that there were games early on in the schedule that they could win and then they would tread water and they might have a shot at nine and seven. That didn't happen partially because of injuries and partially because they just didn't play well. But if they do win three of their last five, then they end up right around where we thought they would be. And look, seven and nine is not exactly something to celebrate. But if Sam Darnold continues to play well, and if this offense continues to progress, and if the players on the defense that we talked about before, like Blessing Austin and Arthur Millette, who have been pleasant surprises, and the deep group on the defensive line, and if Jamal Adams continues to look like Troy Palomalu, then it's a lot of things that we can look at as a positive heading into 2020. You know, going into this season, Joe, I said that the Jets might be fringe playoff contenders if everything went right. Obviously, everything didn't go right, and they didn't have a huge margin for error. But we also said that this was kind of the first year of the building process. And I know that everybody gets frustrated with the whole situation going on around the rebuilding because it seems like it's a never-ending rebuild, but this was supposed to be the first year. So if they get to seven and nine and they show a lot of the progress that we were talking about, then maybe next year becomes that year that they make a playoff run. And then maybe the year after that, if Joe Douglas does a good enough job in these off seasons building up the roster, they can make a run with Sam Darnold, who at that point, knock on wood, if he continues to do what he's doing, could be in that discussion to be, you know, in that upper group of quarterbacks. So I think that seven and nine is the realistic outcome here. It could even be eight and eight. It's possible the Jets could beat the Bills. I'm still thinking that it's not remotely possible that they're going to beat the Ravens on the road at this point, but I guess you never know. It is the NFL any given Sunday, right? So I'm going to say seven and nine. They'll beat the teams that everybody expects and they'll lose to the two teams with the winning record. Pretty reasonable. I don't disagree. I think it's about seven and nine, um, maybe six and ten, but seven and nine feels about right right now with how they've played the past three weeks. Which, yeah, I, th- I think I had them to go eight and eight ultimately before the regular season. And I guess you would say that, let's say Darnold doesn't miss those three games, I don't think they win in New England with or without him. But they probably win one of those other two against Cleveland or Philly, which gets them right to eight and eight. So basically, they've been about what I expected this year. And then the real question is going to be, can they take a step forward next year? Um, because, again, you're dealing with a veteran head coach who will be then be going into his fifth straight year uh, with four in a row or three in a row not making the playoffs. And, you know, I think I would like to think that the hope could be that this team could push to be a playoff team in 2020. Schedule is going to be harder playing the NFC West and the AFC West. But 
I think for the rest of this year, I, th- I think seven and nine is, uh, is doable. Joe, one last thing I have to say that I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving as a Jets fan, and it's not having to watch Ryan Khalil and Tremaine Johnson play anymore. I don't wish injuries on anybody, so I'm not happy that they got hurt or anything, but I'm really happy that we don't have to watch them anymore because Tremaine Johnson was giving me the heart attack on a weekly basis having to watch him try to guard a crossing route, and Ryan Khalil looked like he never got off the couch. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And he'll be gone and so will Tremaine Johnson, even though the Jets will have to take a huge captain. So, Joe, I'm going to go ahead and guess that you agree with me that that's something to be thankful for, that we don't have to watch those two players anymore. I could not agree more. I don't ever want to watch Tremaine Johnson play a snap again for the Jets. And Khalil, you know, no hard feelings, just didn't work out, but also don't want to ever watch him have to play again for the Jets. So no disagreement for me there. Joe, perfect time to wrap this up. Really appreciate you doing this crossover with me. Make sure that you give a listen to part one. It's on the Turn on the Jets feed right now. We've got plenty of great podcasts here on the Play Like a Jet feed, including the Midweek with Manish show from yesterday. You'll have a brand new one with me and Michael Nanny doing Chronicles of Nanny tomorrow. And this Thanksgiving Day special crossover part two episode of Things to be Thankful for as a Jets fan. Don't forget to visit Joe's feed on iTunes. Give him a review. Subscribe if you haven't already. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.